in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, again, we, we read the story of the sending out of the 70 apostles to preach and minister. Um, and Christ told them when whenever they would go and meet with anyone, among other things, he says in verses 5 and 6, he says, But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And in a sense, the whole service and ministry of Christ and the apostles was a service of reconciliation, to reconcile the people to God, and thus to reconcile also the people to each other. And we read, actually, when Christ is commanding the apostles to go and to preach, he tells them that they need to preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of all of the earth. So that all of this preaching and all this reconciliation would happen with the whole world and that the whole world would be reconciled with God. So this would entail certainly that the apostles were being asked to go and to preach to the enemies of Israel. Much like Jonah the prophet was asked to go and to preach to the Ninevites who were the enemies of Israel at the time. Here the apostles are called to show love for the whole world, to go out into the whole world, to preach to the whole world. And how is it that they could do that? unless they had unconditional love for them. Last time we started speaking about this topic of loving your enemies, um, and today we're going to continue this topic, and specifically we're going to ask the question, am I my own worst enemy? Oftentimes we make enemies, and we think that um, the problem is in another person who is our enemy, who harasses us, who bothers us, who annoys us. Um, but if we look deeper we might find that the problem really is in ourselves. So today we're going to look at a few examples that illustrate this point. So we can ask ourselves when we are in enmity with someone, what part have I played in this? And, and you know, usually there's not um, a clear-cut answer. Usually uh, in everything, um, both people, when there's a conflict, usually both people play some part. Um, but we should take ownership for the part that we play, right? How is it maybe that I have created animosity, enmity between me and another person? Because certainly we see here in the life of the apostles that they were called to have unconditional love and that Christ told them to, pre to preach peace to this house, right? So we are wanting to make peace with one another um, as believers. The first example we're going to look at is Cain and Abel. Um, so it says in Genesis 4, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, Abel also brought of the firstborn of the of his flock and their fat of their fat. So we know Cain and Abel are brothers making offerings to God. Cain offered from the fruit. Abel offered from the flock. Uh, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Uh, the reason uh, God did not accept Cain's offering is because all offerings were intended to be done uh, from the from the the animals, like to offer uh, bloody animals, uh, sacrificial animals, to God, and we see this all throughout Scripture, even from before the time of Moses, um, when the law was given, it was known that this is the type of sacrifice that God wanted. So here, Cain offered something that he happened to have, which was because he was a tiller of the ground, he was someone who worked the, the land, and so he had fruit. He decided to offer from that. To God, but this was not the offering that God had asked, right? So Abel's offering um, was accepted, whereas Cain's offering was not accepted. 
And so Cain becomes very angry, okay? And he ends up killing, actually, his brother Abel because of his anger, right? Um, and and so, so Abel becomes his enemy, right? But what is the reason that he becomes his enemy? Is it is it because Abel has actually done something wrong? Abel does nothing wrong, right, in this whole thing. But Cain hates him. He's angry with him. He has the spirit of competition where he wants to beat him. Instead of... Uh, Cain just looking and, and saying, you know, God, you're right. I repent. Um, I should have known and offered you what it is that you have asked for um, instead of what I've offered. Um, and because because actually God gave him that opportunity. Right. And he told him, um, if you do not do good, if you do good, will you not be rewarded? Like like if you if you do well, then you, the, there will be good consequence. But if you do not do well, then there will be bad consequence. So in every way, God gave Cain an opportunity to uh, repent, to, to, to correct what it is that he had done. And yet he chose not to do that, right? Instead, Cain was upset because, because Abel had offered what was better. So it was like he and Abel were in competition with one another. And Cain felt like he lost that competition. So sometimes also that's a reason why we make enemies. We make enemies out of someone who has beaten us in some way, who has excelled beyond us in some way, who has gotten the promotion instead of us, who has gotten the praise instead of us, who has gotten the relationship instead of us, who has gotten the, the possessions instead of us. And we look at that person and we, we, we maybe think angry thoughts toward them, um, hateful thoughts toward them, start feeling like somehow they have done something wrong when in reality, Maybe I have invented him or her as being my enemy, right? That the, really the problem is not that they have done something against me. The problem is in myself. Maybe I am insecure in myself. Maybe I'm putting too much value in these things. Maybe um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of twisting the facts and twisting the situation. Um, it's not really what it appears. It's not that that person has anything against me or has trying to harm me in any way. Maybe it's all completely in my mind. So that's one way that maybe I make enemies um, in and of myself, that I am my own worst enemy and I bring trouble upon myself. Another example is the story of King Ahab and Naboth. King Ahab, of course, he was one of the kings of Israel, of course, very powerful and very wealthy. And yet he looked um, next in his next door neighbor. There was this simple man who owned a vineyard. His name was Naboth. And King Ahab desired this vineyard, right? And we read about this in 1 Kings 21. It says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard better than it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Ultimately, uh, here because Naboth rejected the offer of the king, refused to give him the vineyard and said, this vineyard has been in my family for generations and I will not part with it uh, no matter what you give me in exchange, right? Which was his right to do. Um, the king, however, being very petty, being very jealous and envious, and, and, and believing that because he is the king, he has the right to take anything from anyone, he ended up killing uh, Naboth and taking the vineyard for himself, right? So again, in the mind of Ahab, when he would look at someone like Naboth, he would say, Naboth is my enemy. 
right? But why is Naboth my enemy? Is it because Naboth has done what is wrong? Or is it I envy what he has, right? <clears throat> the king had all that he wanted. I mean, he, he could have gotten any vineyard in any other place. Um, he had a palace. He had, you know, servants. He, he had all the power of, you know, everywhere. And yet, there's one thing that he didn't have, but he became fixated on it, right? He became fixated that this is the one thing that he must obtain. He became envious. And ultimately, the problem was that Ahab was not content with what he had. And sometimes this is our problem as well. When we fall into envy, is it because we are not content with what God has given us? It's easy for us when, whenever we don't have the spirit of contentment, it's easy for us to always be looking for the one more thing. The one more thing that I don't have. you know. And, and once we attain it, as maybe all of us have experienced, for a time we're happy with whatever possession we obtain. And then after a while it starts to lose its luster. It's, it starts to lose its glamour. It's no longer you know, new anymore. And we kind of just like discard it. It's not really as important. It's just I take it for granted. And then our eyes begin to fall on something else that we want to have. Right? And, and if that thing that we want to have is in the possession of another person, maybe we fall into envy and jealousy, seeking after it for ourselves, right? The solution here really is that we need to learn how to be content in what we have. Just like St. Paul has said, I have learned to be content in whatever state that I am, right? We need to learn to be content in whatever state that we are. It doesn't mean that we can't wish for something more, that we can't aspire for something more, but certainly I shouldn't feel envious toward those who have already attained the thing that I'm seeking. Because again, I make them out to be my enemy when really the problem is not with them. The problem is inside myself. I need to be able to disconnect from that feeling of envy, that feeling of attachment to something, and then be content with what I have and actually be thankful and joyful that whoever it is that has what it is that I want, that I'm joyful for them. And that may be difficult, you know. If, if I see someone obtain something that I wish that I had, maybe it's difficult for us to be happy for them. But this is what we are called for. This is, the, this is the love, right? This is the love not just to love our enemies, the love not to make an enemy to begin with, right? Instead of me like becoming angry and starting to have negative feelings and negative like reactions to certain people, instead the idea is I avoid be making enemies to begin with. And you know, sometimes, and maybe in our lives as well, you know, and for some people we notice that they have a lot of enemies, like everywhere. Like, this person bothered me in this way. This person did this to me. This person did that to me. And we ask the question, is it really that all these people are against you? Or maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe there's something you are doing that's causing all these people to be in enmity with you. Maybe they're not even in enmity with you. Maybe you're only interpreting it. Right? You're the one who's in enmity with them. You're the one who has made them to be your enemy even though they don't see you that way. Right? Like Abel, for instance, you know, up until, you know, of course, when, when before he, he was killed, like there's no indication that Abel was angry with Cain about anything. Right? So it's important for us to, 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 to be at peace. Again, like the verse says at the beginning, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. We need to make peace with one another. Another example is Saul and David, which kind of illustrates the, the point about insecurity. You know, we know David was one of King Saul's men, and he was a, a mighty man of valor. He, you know, was a very uh, powerful warrior, 
and he gained prominence in the country and the government because of all of his military conquests, right? And so after one specific military conquest, um, the people were celebrating the victory of David. This is, David is not the king yet. David is just a, a young boy who is servant, a servant of King Saul. And so the people were recognizing King David's uh, uh, like uh, military conquest. And so it says in 1 Samuel 18, so the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, right? So uh, Saul, because of his insecurity in himself, when he saw someone else being praised, like David, and there and the and the, the the these women and the people they were praising David, he said, "Well, if if all these people are praising him, then he must even be wanting to take over the kingdom. He's wanting to be king himself because of look what all this." you know, all this praise that he's receiving. He was insecure, right? Um, he didn't realize that David's victory was actually his own victory, right? When the people under him succeed, then he as the leader is also succeeding, right? And But he didn't want to share this glory with anyone. He wanted everyone to point to him alone and say, Saul is the one who is doing everything, as opposed to other people under him are succeeding as well, right? Um, and, and maybe any one of us who has been uh, responsible for a group of people um, who have led some kind of a team in some capacity, right? Um, sometimes there is a power struggle, right? Or maybe we have been on a team and we have been successful in that team and notice how our boss or our leader, somebody above us, is like trying to take credit for, uh, you know, work that we did or ideas that we had, right? Because this is reflecting of this insecurity, right? that maybe this person who is insecure is making enemies of the people around them and they're blaming them for doing certain things when actually they're just doing their best. They're just doing their job. They're doing what they've been you know, hired to do or called to do, right? So again, we ask ourselves, do we become angry with others and make enemies with others because of their successes? Because we feel like they are doing better than us? Because we feel like they are getting, gaining uh, acknowledgement and praise and recognition? Right? Maybe this is another way that we make enemies. Another example is uh, also again with King Ahab and a prophet whose name was Micaiah. Okay? Um, this uh, prophet, he was a very sincere and truthful prophet. He, as a prophet, he would hear from God and he would explain to the people. He would tell the people the words that he heard from God. But King Ahab, he didn't want to hear the truth because King Ahab was a wicked king. And King Ahab always wanted to go in conquest and fighting and to have victory over his enemies. But because King Ahab was a wicked king and because God was not with him, uh, God would tell Micaiah that Ahab would be defeated in battle, right? So when King Ahab would want to go out to battle, he would go and ask all of the prophets. And the other prophets in his entourage were false prophets. They were just, you know, uh, telling Ahab what he wanted to hear. So all of the prophets, they would tell him, tell uh, King Ahab, Ahab would live forever. You are a great and mighty king. God is going to grant you victory over your enemies and so on and so on, right? Micaiah was the only one who, because he was truthful, right? He would tell Ahab the truth, which is that he was going to 
was going to be defeated, right? And so we read about how King Ahab felt toward Micaiah in Second Chronicles 18. He says, I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil, right? So here Ahab make an, made an enemy of Micaiah, but why? Is it because Micaiah did something wrong? No, it's because Ahab hated the truth. He didn't want to accept the truth. He didn't want to accept the reality was not favorable. He didn't want to accept it, right? And so for that reason, he believed that he was his enemy. And so we ask ourselves also this question. Do we hate those who reveal to us the truth that we don't want to hear about ourselves? Do we, do we find it that it is difficult for me to accept the truth, the reality about myself? And so anyone who comes to tell it to me, you know, in the book of Proverbs, it always says that someone is wise who is willing to hear the rebuke of wise counsel, right? Like if, if we have wise counsel and that wise counsel comes and gives us a message of rebuke, the wise person is the one who will heed that message, but the fool is the one who will ignore it, right? And, and you know, this is, this is something that's difficult to hear. It's difficult for us to hear this rebuke. And, and maybe we also have this hatred of the truth. We don't want to accept the truth. We don't want to accept that we are wrong. We don't accept that we're going down the wrong path, right? And so maybe we make enemies out of those people who will come and give us constructive criticism, who tell us that there's some direction in our life that we're going that is the wrong direction, right? Maybe maybe we, we are the ones that are wrong. We are the ones who are, you know, trying to stop up our ears and not hear the voice of God speaking to me because one of the ways that God speaks to us is through other people. And not always is that uh, speech going to be soft and, and pampering and, 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 you know, pleasant to hear. Many of the things that God has said all throughout the scriptures were difficult to hear because God wanted to get our attention, right? So we ask again ourselves this question, do we make enemies out of people and become angry toward them simply because they don't tell us what we want to hear, right? Maybe again, the reason of that is me. Maybe it's not them. Maybe their words are not really hurtful. It's more that I am not perceiving them in the right way. Another example of someone who is their own worst enemy is King Rehoboam. Uh, Rehoboam was the son and the successor of King Solomon. And after Solomon died and he came to power, um, a group of people from the kingdom came to Rehoboam and told him, the workload on us is so difficult. And your father Solomon put such a difficult load on us. We ask you to please lighten the load of work on us because we cannot bear anymore. But Rehoboam, because he was still a young king and because he wanted to demonstrate that he had authority and power and, and, and he was strong, instead of listening to his counselors who told him, yes, if you lighten the load on them, they will love you and they will follow you and they will submit to you. Instead, he listened to his friends, his foolish friends, who told him, no, you need to double the work on them. You need to make it even harder on them, right? And, and this is, so this is what he responded. He said, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So he, he, he made them feel like they shouldn't even have come and asked. It's simply coming to ask actually won them even greater hardship and greater work that they had to do. And actually, as a result of this bad decision, this is what caused the kingdom of Israel to divide into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. 
the reason this happened was because of this foolish decision that Rehoboam made here, right? And so we ask, why did he make this decision? You know, he wanted to exercise power and control and authority. And this is what he, he thought was, you know, was important and was necessary. And when these people come and ask him of this, he would show weakness if he were to give in to their demands, if he would allow them to reduce their workload, he would feel he would appear weak in their eyes or so he thought, right? So he made an enemy of them. They did not come to become his enemy. They came because they want they were legitimately voicing their concerns about an important issue that was affecting them. And yet because of his poor judgment, he's the one who made them into an enemy, right? He wanted to demonstrate power. So again, we ask ourselves this question. Do we make enemies of others because they have hard time following our directions? They have a hard time following the things that we ask them to do? Do we sympathize with their weaknesses? Do we sympathize with them because they are struggling to carry out our, our orders, their our requests, even when we are, have authority over them, right? We are called to be as Christ, who is gentle and lowly of heart and corrects gently and has patience, right? We are called to be patient with those who do not obey us, to be patient with those who do not follow us, to be patient with those who are struggling to do the right thing, right? As opposed to Rehoboam, who's, who, who when he saw that those who were following him were not able to keep up with the work, he actually made it even harder, like giving them punishment, right? Because of that. So it's another important way that maybe we are making enemies out of others because of our insensitivity to their weakness. Um, a sixth uh, example that we have of making enemies and that we are our own worth, worst enemy is Jacob, Jacob and his sons. So Jacob, he had 12 sons, and but he had a favorite son, and his favorite son was Joseph. And he would always treat Joseph better than the others, okay? And so he would give him special treatment, and one of the things that he did is he gave them this tunic of many colors, which was like a, a luxury at the time, that, that Joseph would get to wear this, uh, this clothing that was very luxurious and very colorful clothing, okay? And we read about this in Genesis 37. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So what did, what did Jacob's partiality do? He caused there to be enmity between Joseph and the rest of his brothers. He caused both them to become enemies of one another, right? Because of his partiality, right? So when we look at the situation, we can say, of course, Joseph's brothers are should not be hating their brother Joseph. But what caused this? It was the partiality of their father. So when we are partial, we can, we can make enemies, right? We can make enemies because we do not treat people equally, right? God is calling us to treat everyone the same regardless of their race, regardless of their social status, regardless of their wealth, regardless of their position, regardless of their intellect, regardless of their knowledge, regardless of anything, right? In the eyes of God, all of us are equal and, and have equal value. Even though we are different and we have different positions and we have different functions and we have different abilities, but at the same time, in the eyes of God, our value is all equal. And here Jacob was showing moral love toward one of his sons as opposed to the other of his sons. And this caused a big problem, right? And created enmity. 
Similar to this is the next point, and this is the last point, is that Joseph himself didn't, sh didn't show good discretion in how he was dealing with his brothers. So for instance, Joseph, he had this dream. And in this dream, he dreamed that in the future, his brothers were going to be bowing down to him, right? This was a dream that was prophesying the, the, what was going to come in the future, which is that Joseph was going to become um, the second authority in Egypt and that his brothers were going to come and, and bow down to him and they weren't even going to know that it was Joseph at the time because of the famine and they were coming to Egypt in order to get money, right? So uh, here, Joseph had this dream. God was revealing it to him. But just because he had this dream, right, for him to go and to describe this dream to his brothers is only going to stir up more anger, right, because of his lack of discretion, because he couldn't keep it silent or to himself. It says, again, in Genesis 37, it says, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There were binding sheaves in the field. Sorry, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Right? Joseph did not intend to, to stir up hatred right, in his brothers. But Joseph, because of his lack of discretion, and he's just saying everything that's happening without understanding how his brothers are going to react, he brought about there to be feelings of anger and jealousy between them, right? So maybe we ask ourselves when we have an enemy, we ask ourselves, am I bragging about the things that I have? Am I, you know, flaunting it? Am I, am I, am I, am I you know, showing like, like, like in a very showy way and, 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 you know, showing the things that I have, the possessions that I have, the relationship that I have. Am I talking about myself all the time? Am I always talking about my talents, my skills, my possessions, you know? And, and maybe someone who's doing that doesn't even realize that they're doing that. And they don't realize the negative effect that that might have on other people to where the other people around them kind of don't enjoy being with them because they're always just bragging and showy all the time, right? So this is a lack of discretion, right? And so... Here we make the, these enemies for ourselves. A place where this happens a lot is on social media. You know, on social media, do I go and I start posting about every positive thing that happens in my life? And then when other people see it, they might become a little bitter, right? It's not right for them to be bitter. Like, they should be happy for me. But we, at the same time, we have to understand human nature. Like, we can't discount human nature and... And assume that everybody deals with us in perfection, right? Just as I don't deal with others in perfection. So I have to be discreet in what I reveal and to who and to how, right? If God gives me many good things, I can be thankful to God. I can keep that to myself. I don't have to go and to share that with the world and to lack discretion because maybe I make enemies for myself without even realizing it. So to conclude, again, when we're talking about this topic of loving one another, Okay, we read in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love.
the source of love and forgiveness and gentleness and patience that we have with one another it is based on God alone the, the love we are called to love one another is a higher love is a greater love than any love we would find in the world it is the self-sacrificial love that Christ loves us right and so we should always be mindful of how we uh, deal with one another I have to ask myself the question, am I my own worst enemy? Are the people around me my enemies because something is wrong with them? That's, that they are hateful? Or maybe if I find that I have so many enemies in so many places, maybe the problem is with myself. Maybe I'm doing something that's causing others to be my enemy, right? And so I have to be very, um, you know, not just, not just I'm causing others to be my enemy, but I'm perceiving them as my enemies. That maybe they are not even my, my enemies. So we should abide in God, you know, meditate on the love of God, read the word of God and see his love that he has for us. Pray to God and experience the love that he has for us. And through this love, we are then able to share that love with other people. And glory be to God forever. Amen.